what if I tell you what the rock and darkness and sea beyond whispered to me, Lord of Bloodshed? How they shuddered in fear on that island across the sea. How they trembled when she emerged. She took something, something precious. She ripped it out with her teeth. Cassian's golden brown face had drained of color, his wings tucking in tight. Did you wait that day in Highburn, Prince of Bastards? My blood went cold. What came out was not what went in. A rasping laugh as the carver laid the shard of bone on the ground beside him. How lovely she is. New as a fawn and yet ancient as the sea. How she calls to you. A queen, as my sister once was. Terrible and proud. Beautiful as a winter sunrise. Reese had warned me of the inmate's capacity to lie, to sell anything to get free. Nesta, the bone carver murmured. Nesta. I squeezed Cassian's hand. Enough. It was enough of this teasing and taunting. But he didn't look at me. How the wind moans her name. Can you hear it too? Nesta. 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 I wasn't sure Cassian was breathing. What did she do? Drowning in the ageless dark. What did she take? Welcome to the House of Wind Book Club. I'm Hannah. And I'm Amber. This is a fan podcast where we discuss our current book obsession. We're going to break down chapters, characters, themes, and, let's be honest, gossip about our theories relevant to the magical, fairy-filled lands of Prithian. Just so you know, this podcast will contain spoilers and is explicit. We swear and we talk dirty. If you don't get worked up over the phrase, grab the headboard, or hello, Farrah darling, then proceed with caution. We hope you enjoy being a part of our book club. Stay smutty. I remember when, I remember, I remember when I lost my mind. Yeah, y'all, I have lost my goddamn mind this week. It's it's been a it's been a week. It has been life a, happened a week. this week. Life it life, happened hard. Life <laughs> punched Hannah in the face this week. It did, you guys. So first off, s- sorry for the late episode last week, but first we like. We recorded the episode. I went to edit the episode like the night before it was supposed to release. And then it was just like unpostable. Then we re-recorded it. And as you heard in the episode, my dog, Rubius, was puking his face off. And we just had a little trip to the emergency vet because uh, he had some issues. But he's OK now. Uh, the episode is out and he's fine and all is well, but I literally spent a day at work where I had two hours of sleep. Yeah. And I'm still catching up. Yeah. (laughs) It's been a rough, a rough go. It has been. And 
we just it's just a busy time but everything is fine now because we're recording today and then saturday we leave to go hang out by yeah. lake superior and amber's gonna marry her best friend <sighs> literally when you guys hear this amber be will be a married woman <laughs> omg <laughs> oh my gosh yeah i wrote my vows today and cried like a baby i have like everything ready Ben and i did like our last little preparations and it's real i'm so words cannot yeah. describe how excited i am this is gonna be epic 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 i was walking rusty today and i was wearing my my bachelorette party shirt mm-hmm. in public but it says fucking finally yeah it's very aggressive <laughs> and i was walking ruby and rusty actually around the block we live in this like really cute residential area um and i happened to be walking right as the bus dropped a bunch of school kids off oh no and then the school kids were like dog so cute and i'm like um i'm i'm pro f word mm-hmm. all around but not like with school cool children With like i don't want babies. them like looking at me and reading my shirt out loud and laughing oh although internally i would be howling with laughter because oh, yeah. that is hilarious that is hilarious but at the same time i'm like huh this isn't the best choice so slightly inappropriate slightly inappropriate <laughs> to be wearing around school children that's the thing about that shirt are. like i have almost put it on so many times and then i'm like <laughs> But what if I run into children? That's I don't know why that's always like my first thought when I wear it. I wear it around the house a lot, but it's a comfortable shirt. It's so comfy, man. So uh, don't forget to check out our Patreon um, this month, probably towards the end of the month or the beginning of August. Like we said on last episode, we're going to be doing a deep dive. Uh, well, somewhat deep dive. General theories our thoughts and feels around Crescent City. Reactions. Yeah. Spoiler alert. It's positive. We fucking loved it. Yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> we're pro CC. Yeah. So we're just going to be sipping some coffee. And uh, if you guys have like a specific theory that you want to bring up to us or maybe we haven't thought of or you would like us to touch on, we'll, you know, try to incorporate that if we can. Just shoot us a DM so that we can, you know, think about that because... That is also helpful. There's a lot of things to think about when it comes to Crescent City. Heck yeah. (laughs) Um, Also, don't forget to go on to Audible. Um, You can get a month free trial and also a free title, which is sick because books, audiobooks are like not cheap. No, they're Uh, expensive. They are expensive. Um, But you can go to www.audibletrial.com slash house of wind pod. Like Amber said last episode, was it book lovers? Book lovers. Yeah, I'm going to start that this week. It just gets better and better. You keep listening and it's the also the like the narrator, the it, it's so good. She's ah. so good. Normally I have an issue with um like feminine voices like voicing a masculine voice. It just like I don't like it. Yeah. A lot it of can, times it, it just can be I very don't cheesy. Like it. Yeah. It takes you out of the moment. Right. Yeah. This is not a case like that because the the main ma- male character like he's not he's not like a deep masculine man he's like he just has like a raspy voice ooh I love a raspy and voice she she does a beautiful job with this raspy male voice mm. and again it's just like that that witty deadpan humor mm-hmm. 
it's phenomenal cool book lovers i'm so, so pumped good. i'm gonna start it tomorrow on my commute all right all right ready to get into it let's do it um last episode <laughs> hannah and amber had uh technical difficulties like we explained so we had to re-record but we're back we're here uh she couple, couple grannies in the house <laughs> god <I'm laughs> so granny it hurts it's okay <laughs> Last episode, we dove into the knowledge and power that the Valaris Library holds. But it isn't just any old library. It's miles and miles in this cavernous space simply full of beautiful, wonderful books. And these books are cared for by priestesses, all of which have a unique story to tell that we learned, like Clotho's story, and we learned that every priestess has a unique, sad, but fascinating story that got them to where they are and that this library is essentially a place of refuge not just for the priestesses but for their high lord and high lady as well which is really sweet mm-hmm. um reese and Farah almost have almost have the super hot library sex scene we're all craving but nope guess you'll have to read uh crescent city or perfect strangers if you want that <laughs> <laughs> again probably like top tier why we recommend those two books oh yeah we're all obsessed with well the second crescent city yeah has way more it's yeah the second crescent city has like a specific library scene oh oh i'm talking like strictly like i thought knocking someone's socks off in between stacks of books i thought you meant sex in general and i was like you complained so much about crescent city not having sex but you're right yes that yeah i love that that scene scene. Mm. yeah yes Uh, yeah but the the best library sex scene is in perfect strangers oh hands down there's no competition so good um reese and farah realize they're probably screwed even if they get support from all the high lords so farah decides to bring in the big dogs (laughs) She's like she's like Khaleesi, but instead of mother of dragons, she's mother of monsters. That that is just what I'm gonna call her from now on. That's phenomenal. Fei Fei, mother of monsters. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Once we get our merch rolling out, that can be like, Ooh, like a mother, mother of, of monsters. monsters. And someone can do like a um like a like a family portrait of like um <gasps> the bone carver and the weaver. We don't know anything about Koshay or whatever, but we could do like Braxis or something. Oh my God. And have them all like, they have like sick tats and stuff like they're like a badass looking crew. TM, TM. We're going to make those shirts. Yeah, don't steal that shit. <laughs> um, fair warning. This episode in particular, specifically chapter 23, but a little bit in chapter 22, I believe, um, will contain a lot of Crescent City talk and spoilers. There is so many things to talk about that yes i know we're going to do a patreon specifically for this but honestly we can't talk about these chapters in good faith without mentioning the things that we want to mention yeah here about like opportune it is it is it's just especially with the bone carver just there's such an open door that we can't just walk by it we have to acknowledge what's through that door i have so many theories about the bone carver honestly The can the possible connection has just made me love the bone carver and like the weaver, like all of the, just even more. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Anyways, continue. All right. <laughs> let's 
dive into chapter 22. So at the end of chapter 21, it was really quite sad in the last episode, if you recall, Farrah's horrid, horrid nightmare. And Reese didn't like prod about it at all the night that it happened or the following day, which is where we are now, until right before they left to go see the bone carver. And Reese, true to form, leans against the wall right before right before they're about to leave and just asks, do you need to talk about it? And so she did. She she told him everything that was in her dream. All of this like vulnerable dream space that she just had and went through, which is horrific and terrifying, and then divulging that to him. And it helped. It helped her like release this huge weight from her shoulders. And again, I'll say it, I'll sing it from the rooftops, but it just shows like all of their progress, their healing, and this like wonderful, healthy relationship that just keeps developing. Yes. And it's beautiful. Yeah. I love I, it all. I love, and I love to just in general, like talking about things like that can, when you're ready, like can be so helpful and healing. Like to just have one other person that knows like what you're dealing with and is validating that you're not like crazy for feeling the way you feel about it or just someone that knows. And I love, I don't know. I love that she can confide in Reese with that. Just thinking about like where they're at literally like one book ago Mm -hmm. where she like hated him in the beginning and was actually dating someone else. Like they've come a long way. (laughs) A long way. So Cass, Reese and Farah winnow to the prison. Reese is like firmly telling them, listen, (laughs) you two need to stay together. They won't be able to reach him at all because of the wards, like at all. And so Reese parts ways with a calm. Remember who you put in here, Cassian? You know shit's real when he's not like being his quirky, spunky, dry, sarcastic self with Cass or Farah. Usually right. it's like at least one or the other, like one snippet that he throws in there because Cass... When they're having this conversation, Cass is like, okay, go away, you mother hen. We're fine. I got this. And Reese, like, (laughs) does not respond to that sarcasm. He is, like, all business. He is all business, and he is completely serious when he says, remember who you put in here. Which is crazy, because when you think about it, like, the fact that they can't, like, winnow into the prison, and they can't use their bond, like, so, like, I guess all magic is, like, null in there. But even with all magic being null in the prison, he's still like, these creatures are <laughs> dangerous. Even without magic. Yeah. <laughs> in like the like, highest security magical place that an evil being could be, it's still terrifying for the Lord of Bloodshed and the High Lady of the Night Court to be there. Yikes. Big yikes. So this kind of snaps Cass into full general mode. And he calmly but firmly suggests to Farah that if the bone carver agrees to work with them, she needs to find a way to control him in this world. Like, stat. And Farah's like, he can't be that bad. Surely Reese would have put his foot down, right? And Cass just says, 
Reese has been known to hatch plans that make my heart stop dead. So I wouldn't count on him to be the voice of reason. (laughs) (laughs) That is terrifying when you think about it, because like we've talked about before, Cassian is afraid of like very little. But like that just really means that Reese has been unhinged at like certain points in his like centuries of existence. Yes. And I feel like it's it's one thing for someone like as or cast to be unhinged. Right. But it's I think that's what makes this whole dynamic so unique because Reese is the unhinged one of the entire group. He is hands down the one with the wild plans with, you know, high risk, high reward kind kind of plans. Oh, yeah. And then everyone else grounds him. Yes. And I think that's really unique because normally it's a little a little different. Yeah. Or that plot line is the villain. The person who's unhinged is the villain. Right. Right? Yeah. The hero of the story is the cool, calm, maybe has one person in his court that's unhinged or a little wild, but you know, but the but the ultimate person, like the the top of the pyramid is the one who calms everyone down. Like it's completely flip flopped here. I think that's what makes Reese so interesting as a love interest is that he very easily could like be the villain, the actual villain, not the one we thought at first. And then he's actually like awesome. But yeah, it's, it's like crazy to think about that. Mm -hmm. Like if honestly, like if he never, if he could never see the inner circle again, if he never had Pharaoh or if he lost Pharaoh, like, yep. That he could like spiral into madness and be like quickly, yeah. And he knows this. Oh yeah. This is your this is your standard. This is why we fucking love him, mm-hmm. right? The hero will sacrifice you to save the world. Yes. The villain will burn the world to save you. Yes. That's why we love it. Uh, That's why we, we love, love it. it. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I sit in a bathtub of Reese. Sit in a bathtub <laughs> of Reese. <laughs> A very comical image just popped into my mind. Oh, my God. Anyway, Cass explains some of the ancient history. And he says, there was life here before the High Lords took Perithian. Or before the High Lords were in Perithian. This life was old gods, we called them. They they ruled the forests and the rivers and the mountains. Some of those beings were those things. Then, the magic shifted to the High Fae. The magic shifted to the High Fae, who brought the cauldron and mother along with them. And though the old gods were still worshipped by a select few, most people forgot them. Okay. 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 So. Little little bit of CC spoilers here. Um, not a ton, so, you know, one minute forward if you don't want to listen to them. So what Cass says is that the bone carver might have been one of these old gods, but my theory is that when this magic shifts, mm-hmm. the magic or the power, if we think of the Asteri, yep, right, they take this power, right, yes. because that's what they use to eat and feed, essentially, mm-hmm. is they take power. But when the Asteri are no longer in the question, all of these quote-unquote high lords or High Fae, whomever, the ones with the most power, suddenly get this huge whoosh of power back. And then the Asteri just kind of disappear off the face of the earth. Right. 
face of the this world. Right. Whatever this world is, yeah. So I just think it's interesting that they have this vague the magic was shifted to the high fae. Right. Before that, did they have any power? Because if they had had a little bit, you know, I, I don't know. I just think that's that is interesting to think about, like, where was the power? Were they, like, deriving it from the land? And then, like, then it the high fae, like, it was given to them when the Asteri left? Or, like, do we have a an incomplete history, as often history is incomplete, where, like, these old ancient fae had, like, this crazy power. The Asteri came. They started suckling it up. And then... There was a huge ass war, and then the Asteri left, and then the Fae like got their power back. So it could also be that too. I don't know. There's literally there's so many ways it could go, but yes, a thousand percent. This has this has has potential. Has something to do with CC. Yeah. So into the prison they go. Dun dun dun. After Cass explains that again, like I said, the Bone Carver might have been one of these quote unquote <laughs> old gods, right? <laughs> Can you imagine hearing that? And then it's like, all right, time okay. to go on our field Let's trip go. into the prison of death. <laughs> the prison of death with the big baddies. God. So Cass and Farah are solidly grasping each other's hands. And as they're walking, she can hear this like. No, no, no. It's <laughs> like faint scratching through the wall of rock. So all I'm imagining are these big, terrifying creatures that somehow know that they're in the prison. Somehow these powerful beings can sense that there's someone new in there, like fresh meat, you know? And they're scratching on the stones, which is completely and utterly terrifying. Like bone crushing, blood stilling terror. Yeah. Like... It's like nails on a chalkboard. Nope. Just the worst sound. So Farah places her hands, once they get there, on the bone carver's door. And it swings open to reveal the same little boy that she saw last time when she came in with Reese. But she recognized something she didn't last time. This time, she sees this little boy and she sees Reese's face. Reese's coloring, his eyes... But not just Reese. She sees her mouth, her father's mouth. And she has this realization that almost brings her to the, to her knees. And it's that this little boy is their son. What a mind fuck. What a mind fuck. And this is like, this is why the bone carver is so terrifying. Because he is preying on all of her fears in this moment. Because that little boy represents everything that could be. Everything that she desires, whether or not they actually have kids or not. Right. What that quote unquote child or what the bone carver carver is showing her represents the possibility of a future that they do make it through this war. And that is simultaneously terrifying and heartbreaking. And just like, I I can't even imagine how she would feel in that moment. Right. I mean. Yeah, how symbolic, because you're right, whether they chose to have children or not, like, it really is, like, a, that's what, like, what could be. Right. And just seeing that in front of you and knowing, knowing 
and that moment like everything you stood to lose yep yeah and everything that's on the line right no pressure no pressure so Farah and Cass are like desperately reeling trying to get their shit together and Cass is obviously startled at whatever he's seeing too and Farah is able she's able to pull herself out of it a little quicker so she reaches into her pocket and throws this gross bone remain that she explains this is all that was left of the adder after I pummeled them into the pavement. Which I love that that's all that was left was like a pinky bone. Yeah. She like yeah. pulverized it. So naturally the bone carver is absolutely delighted. It's like, oh, my high lady so vicious. I just picture him later in the cell like holding the bone in his hand like Gollum like my bitch. Like just like carving like death into the bone and like <laughs> terrifying. He's so scary. He's so scary, but he's also But he looks like a cute kid. He looks like a cute kid, which makes it honestly so much worse. <laughs> like significantly worse. Mm-hmm. That's fucking scary. Um but also it's so fascinating because I'm trying to remember. I think we <laughs> we talked about this in our episode that we had had to re-record. Mm-hmm. But how, like, I'm just imagining why he's so fascinated with these bones. And obviously we know his power centers around death. And I wonder, because he has so much insight into everything that's happening, it's almost like he can see the past, present, and future to an extent. But he can also kind of see certain things through those bones. Or at least I imagine he can see, like, the last part of that being's life. When he gets that bone, you know, because or I guess he in this in this situation because he's a little boy. But we've decided yeah. bone carvers gender neutral. Yes. I feel like all non-binary. these creatures are just like non-binary. Yep. Um, and I, I just think that is so cool that even though his power is death, which is absolutely terrifying, he has this like sick sort of enjoyment from bones because he can witness the last things that happen. I definitely think what you're thinking about that could be true. Like a in general, like your bones holding memories, which there is actually in real life, a lot of science about your body, like holding like memories and like just your general life story, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Uh, But two Think about like scrying, like when witches do yes. like scrying or things, you know, like when they throw runes, they usually are tossing them around with bone fragments or they're mm-hmm. carved into bone fragments. Like so bones in fantasy are they're very powerful and they are very magical, can be very used to like wield magic, essentially. Yes. So I, I think you're absolutely right. There's something there. Mm. Mm. But then he says, I smell my sister on you, Cursebreaker. Did you steal from her? Did she weave a thread of your life into her loom? The fact that he can smell that ring on her is alarming. Like, it was in my sister's house. I know that scent anywhere. Even though, think about how many times Pharaoh's, like, washed her hands, like, Probably had her ring cleaned in the jeweler of Valaris. Like, yes. And he can still, it's like almost like a tracking spell or yes, something. Yes, and it would be one thing if it belonged to the weaver, but the weaver was truly just, it was just sitting in her home. Yeah, just like, in a, just like storage. And it, 
ultimately belonged to Reese's family, Reese's mother. Right. So the fact that he's like immediately, like the second thing he says, it's like, I could smell my sister on you. And then further furthering the mindfuck series, uh, he turns to Cass, <laughs> speaking of Nesta, and says, what if I tell you what the rock and darkness and sea beyond whispered to me? Bloodshed. How they shuddered in fear on that island across the sea. How they trembled when she emerged. She took something. Something precious. She ripped it out with her teeth. Mm. Damn right she did. And you know in his mind, if he wasn't so freaked out, Cassie would be like, that's my girl. Exactly. <laughs> He'd be like, damn right she took something from that cauldron. Yes, but I'm imagining, I wonder, I have... Full body goosebumps right now. I wonder if what the bone carver is showing him is what Cass saw when she came out of the lake. Ooh, oh, like after totally she out of like not in control the- power that is above her with all of her magical objects that she's using at that yeah. point in time. That it's like Nesta, but not yeah, like Nesta unleashed, unleashed, yeah, Nesta. Oh, and I, I wonder if chills. that right. <laughs> I have goosebumps. And I wonder if that unhinged power just completely unleashed is what the bone carver is showing Cass and scaring the actual shit out of Cass. Yes. Because I'm I just imagine it's some sort. The only thing that could terrify Cass is Nesta being out of control. Yes. Because Nesta's done all the bad things. Right. To him already. She's she's already said she doesn't want him. She's already said she wants nothing to do with him. She's she's hurt him emotionally kind of beyond anything that the bone carver is going to show Cass. Right. He's he's not going to hurt his feelings being like she's not in love with you or. So I feel like the biggest thing that would terrify Cass is one of two things. One, what I described before, her power is completely out of control or two, her begging for his help. And him not being able to give it. Oh, God. Yeah, I feel like almost like showing him like a consumed version of her. Like her mm-hmm. powers have just like destroyed her. Oh, How terrifying. Oh. But then the bone carver doesn't stop there. He he just keeps talking and tormenting Cass. But wait, there's more. Wait. <laughs> he says, or she says, I guess I should say she says, because if I'm imagining... Bone Carver presenting as It's got to be. He's. They've got to be showing themselves as Nesta. Yeah. yeah. Um, what came out was not what went in. How lovely she is. New as a fawn and yet ancient as the sea. How she calls to you. A queen, as my sister once was. Terrible and proud. Beautiful as a winter sunrise. Damn. Mm-hmm. Uh, damn. That's right. What came out was not what went in. It sounds like the beginning of a riddle. Like, True that. what came out isn't what went in. <laughs> what is it? What is it? That's crazy. She's new. She's different. But, like, she has ancient magic in her. Jeez. So good. Farrah took the liberty at this point of snapping both the carver and Cass out of this, like, cycle of taunting and torment. The, the circle of doom. <laughs> <laughs> then Thera piques the carver's interest she casually says I imagine her like looking at her nails we attained 
the book of breathings. She says, there are interesting spells. Someone we know, wink, wink, cracked most of them. And she's looking for others. Spells that could, say, send someone like her home. Others like her too. With a pointed stare. Wink, wink. wink. (laughs) With a very pointed stare. If we can get one being back to their quote-unquote home, wherever that is, whatever that is, we can get you there too. Right. And this fully gets the Carver's interest. And this chapter ends with the Carver's violet eyes flared bright. I'm listening. (laughs) Oh my God. Damn. Hang on. I need a sip of wine before I, before I dive into this. Mm -hmm. Maybe we should do like a wine series on this podcast. Like whenever we drink wine, we talk about the wine we have and we could do that. We're very much red wine drinkers. Yeah, we are. That's the thing. We could find, we could like take turns where one person like picks the bottle of wine for the episode and you try to find like a label or something that like matches the vibe <gasps> of the episode. Oh my gosh. Right now we're drinking Phantom. Mm-hmm. Is that what it's called? Phantom? It's called Phantom. Yeah. It is young. It's a red blend. Yeah. The it's- label is so cool. Obviously we're not like huge winos. Well, we know a decent amount about wine. Sure, sure, sure. Um, it's um, it's uh, red and there's uh, <laughs> a little spice to it. Living living near Napa, California, I actually learned so much about wine. Because um, I went yes. on a, I went to a lot of wineries and did a lot of tours. So, I mean, I could, I could hold my own in yeah. a conversation of moderately knowledgeable winos. I feel you. I think you definitely could. Yeah. I'm more of a just general consumption. Yes. Like living in California totally spoiled me in terms of like, like I I used to work in Sonoma County. Yeah. In Petaluma. And there was like this little corner store that had the bangingest sandwiches. And they also just had like endless amounts of wine. So I'd grab like a bottle of wine on Friday and like a, a sandwich. So I'd eat my sandwich on the way home. And then Riley and I would like have some wine. It would just be outstanding. Man. I still remember with like, I think it was like the first month, maybe a couple months of after I started my very first job, which was that job in California. Hannah and I met my, I had a couple of my friends that flew out to California from Minnesota and we did a whole like wine bus tour in Napa Valley. And we went to some of the coolest wineries, honestly, to date, the coolest winery I've ever been to. Um, the castle one. The castle one. Yeah. Oh, so cool. It sounds so cool. <laughs> so cool. Um, but then I proceeded to buy a $100 bottle of wine <laughs> because I had, it was the first time in my life that I had ever had money. Right. That I ever had more than like $200 in my bank account. Honestly, what a classy thing to spend like your first like, yeah. paycheck on. And I sat there. It took me like an hour and a half to pull the trigger to buy this bottle of wine because I had never bought something more than like $11 for wine. Right. And I was like, well, it's not that much of a difference. But then our the guy who was like giving us the tasting, he was like, well, 
someone just paid extra and I think I could make it work. I think I could bring you out this bottle of wine so you could taste it. And he gave us a tasting, like a heavy pour. Nice. Like half a glass of wine of this hundred dollar wine. He's like, I'm going to get. He's like, I'm going to. They're going to buy it. It's like the Victoria's Secret bra lady. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So anyway, long story short, I did buy it. And then we all drank it. Because that's the bottle I shared with you. That's what we shared. And it. Let me tell you, if you're like not a huge wine drinker and you're like, oh, wine tastes the same. Wrong. You are wrong. You are wrong. (laughs) To a certain extent, I would say zero to thirty dollars. Depending on the wine. But largely, yes. For sure, 0 to $20, it doesn't matter. Yeah, You spend all... an $8 bottle of wine or an $18 bottle of wine, they taste the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you start creeping up $60, $70. Mm-hmm. Every bottle of wine I've ever had that was more than $50, and the, the higher it is, the better it is. Oh, yeah. I once tasted a $500, no, 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 yeah, $500 bottle of champagne. My God. And it was, I am not kidding. Like, gave me a high. Maybe it's just because I knew it was that expensive. Oh, man. But that was unreal, too. That's insane. I feel like that's definitely, like, I mean, obviously, day to day. Well, we don't drink day to day. Mm -mm. Week to week. Whenever you buy your, like, weekly bottle of wine or whatever. Like, yeah, we definitely only spend, like, 10 to 20 bucks on a bottle of wine. But, yeah, there's just something about, like, a celebratory. You're like, ooh, I'm going to splurge. I, my dream, and this is what we'll wrap it up on because we're just talking about wine at this point. Yeah. That's fine. My dream is to go to like the Champagne region of, of France and like go to Provence and there's like a Michelin star restaurant there and like neither of the boys are interested in this. So, I mean, Riley would love to go to like France, but, yes. but like to go to a restaurant and spend a shit ton of money on food and wine, like I don't that really think I've been logically... They're like, nah. So we're going to do like a bestie, a bestie date. And we're going to go do that in yes. the lavender fields. Yes, and no. it's going to oh, be great. God. We just need approximately 30 <laughs> to 50 more Patreon members. Right. Well. <laughs> uh, and then we need to like save up for like three years. Right. And then three. we'll be able to afford our plane ticket. Yeah, there we go. Maybe we could afford the plane ticket. For <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll be able to afford the appetizer of that course. <laughs> I know all of our so all of our Patreon stuff so far has gone towards like equipment and stuff. But I do think it'd be so fun to do like one of the Starfall like or like the bookish um, things they have in the UK too. Right. Like the those things book out so fast. Yes. If you guys see those and they're not booked out, send them to us because there are ones for like 2024 that are like fully booked. Wow. It's insane. We want to be a part of the magic. Anyways, speaking of magic and after that very long tangent as Amber swirls her wine like a sommelier over there. Um, uh, the prettiest sommelier I ever did see. So we're going to talk about chapter 23. I am going to preface this chapter just like what Amber said. If you have not read Crescent City, this chapter will not be fun for you. It will spoil things. I'm not holding back. I can't do a spoiler preface before every single thing I'm going to talk about because it's almost everything. So you have you've been warned. All right. Yep. Chapter 23. Let's do it. Vera informs the bone carver of the upcoming war and that he has gifts that could prove useful to them, a.k.a. we're here to bargain. And the bone carver sees through their plan 
obviously. Shocking. <laughs> right. <laughs> and reveals that he doesn't want to go back home. Oops. <laughs> he continues on describing his world. Quote. Do not believe it is anything more than dust drifting across a plain. There is no home to return to. Not one that I desire. Ew, that voice was so good. Yeah. Um, there's we're definitely doing a bone carver voiceover for this episode. Yes. Because we haven't done the bone carver yet. I'm pumped. So, okay. <laughs> Maybe so in general, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but my I am like passionate that Adis and the Bone Carver are the same person. I'm I'm like, I can't get my mind off of it. But this does make me feel like maybe he might not be. I'm open yeah. to holes, plot holes in my own theory. Uh, <laughs> I take constructive criticism, SJM. <laughs> so he, I'm thinking like maybe he's just like some ancient fae and his world was like destroyed by the Asteri. Like maybe they are gods of this of this world. Like they're, you know, he was there and then the Asteri came and then all of that happened like his old world and then they like came to this new world to like for refuge hmm. maybe i don't know i don't like this theory because it clashes with my personal theory <laughs> but anyways all we know is wherever he's from i think the asteri have been there i agree yeah i agree with that entirely mm-hmm. they've sucked it dry yeah i mean it's nothing more than dust drifting across the plain <sighs> There's no home to return to. Why? I just picture it like like a Dementor going at like a planet, like an entire planet and yeah. just sucking it up through a straw, like just sucking all the life from it. And then it's just like this dead, desolate thing. And then they move on. So creepy. <laughs> so Farah continues her attempts at bargaining but the bone carver holds firm that he wishes to stay in his cell. He's like, I am not going anywhere, girl. I got my four walls. I got a cot. <laughs> I, I feel good. I feel good. I don't need anything. And he is like, actually, LOLs, I let myself get captured. <laughs> you think you guys could have caught me on your own? I let this happen. And as this is happening, this Amber... This is my favorite part of this chapter. The bone carver is tracing three overlapping circles in the dirt while he's talking to Farah. Just like Bryce's Archesian amulet, her I protective amulet. Never would have picked up on that, Hannah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Never in a hundred years would I have picked up on that. I will say. Casey and I were talking about the one that her is it that her mom wears. That's like the triangle with the two circles. Casey said something about it. Something it connects with throne of glass, like the witches have some kind of similar symbol. I don't really I can't remember. We will we will talk about that in our theory, our theory Patreon. But for the purpose of relevance for today. Yes. Three circles. Holy shit. And also parallels of like, think about it. There's three Archeron sisters. There's three siblings within the Bone Carver's family. So we just have lots of threes going on. Yeah. But I think that there's, I don't know what, why it is meaningful, but I know it has to be some, there has to be a connection there. Why else would SJM comment on 
and be that specific of tracing three overlapping circles. Right. I don't know. Hmm. So we learned that the weaver is the bone carver's twin sister. So weaver and bone carver, twins. So we know what the weaver looks like. So that means the bone carver is also equally as terrifying, I'm sure, in their natural state. Uh, so the weaver's name is actually Striga. Cool ass name. Very cool name. And they have a brother named Koshi, Koshe. I don't know how to say that. And I also want to say, notice how the bone carver does not say what his name is. Adis, is that you? <laughs> is it because of the like the shifting? Like he can, that Adis can come in any form that he pleases. Yeah, that's why I think that's that's whenever <sighs> there's a part in Crescent City when she there's the cat there and then like she mentions like i see i see him as a cat but like other people have seen him as this or yep. like that instantly made me feel like could that be the bone carver which would validate the fact so if if the bone carver is in fact adis mm -hmm. we're talking different timelines for cc and akatar I do believe there is a time travel element to there has to be her going to Prithian, which makes sense given the the language discrepancies, the yes, all the things that we learned there. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Okay. Okay. So he says the ancient Fae feared and worshipped his siblings when they quote fell into this world. See what I mean? You've literally got, like sentence by sentence. I've had to break this chapter down. But they were tricked by an ancient fey warrior, diminishing their powers and confining the weaver to her cottage and Koshi Koshe to his lake on the continent. And this was all before Prithian was created. What? To the lake. Mm -hmm. To his lake on the continent. To his lake on the continent. Mm -hmm. What? Aelin and Rowan, uh -huh. when they found the sword. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and say this because I, I have a, a the, connection the later crazy on. crazy lake beast. Yes. Yes. I, I think that the ancient fae warrior could be Elena. Because wasn't Elena Faye and her husband Gavin was human? So Faye warrior. Oh, that confined the one them. That tricked them and confined them. <clears throat> I know, I know. I don't know if any of that is true, and I'm sure there that there could be some some other connection there that maybe we're missing. Uh, I'm sure we're gonna get lots of DMs after this after this episode. Yeah, feel free to reach out to us because we like to know all the theories. Yeah, and we're. We're just spitballing. Oh, yeah. This is seat of our pants here. This is yeah. not heavily researched oh, no, whatsoever. No, absolutely not. <laughs> Remember that week I told you I had, I literally read this chapter and just typed a summary. Yep. So, uh, and just wrote down what came to my head. So, um, the Fey warrior was clever, but her bloodline only remains in humans. Oh, my God. Elena's okay. husband was human. 
The bone carver remembers her name, even though she is long forgotten among others. Quote, she would have had she would have been my salvation had I not made my choice long before she walked this earth. Again, I really think there's just some kind of connection to Elena here. Interesting. Like, we don't really get a lot of description of like what their their war. Maybe we do. And I just don't remember because <laughs> I really don't. But I know that there was a war and she like made that deal and there's just like a whole bunch of stuff going on with her. And I feel like she could have something to do with this. And also the like the gods that Selena deals with. Like, are we again, again, just an interesting. Amber. Amber. What the fuck? Do you think that when also if you've read Crescent City and haven't read Throne of Glass, which I don't know if any of those people exist, there's just going to be spoiler alerts for Throne of Glass, too. Yeah. Do you think that when Aelin, when she banished the gods, you think this happened before Crescent City and those gods that she banished are the Asteri? And so they left and just started doing their own thing? unbound by any rules and just like unmonitored (laughs) I literally just thought of that when you said that because I just there has to be some sort of connection between the Vogue the Asteri and those gods correct and and there's a missing piece. There's information we don't have that's definitely the missing link. Yes. And then the the monsters and the, the creatures in this series. Mm-hmm. The, I mean, I, I lump Amran in with those creatures. Like the extremely ancient, extremely powerful beings that are a consistent theme between these three universes. There has to be some sort of connection that even if they aren't directly correlated, I'm sure that when SJM starts to overlap these series... They're going to be like, talk about how they met a millennia ago or how they faced each other in this battle two millennia ago or how they destroyed this world. And, you know, because like. They're just too old and too vast and they're all they hop universes. They all do. Oh, yeah. They hop between hell. They hop between different like, I mean, obviously they're literally I mean, I don't know if they're time traveling, but they're at least universe hopping. Yeah, there's some. This is like some Marvel shit. Yes. Every time (laughs) I think about these universes colliding, all I can think about is how. Like the feeling I had when the first Avengers came out. Yes. Of all of my favorite superheroes colliding. And that doesn't even, and that was a very intense experience for me. Yes. All of the Avenger movies are like very visceral experiences. I was just going to say visceral. <laughs> yeah. And it, it wouldn't even be on the same scale of how I'm going to feel when these universes collide. Um, I already lost my shit just from two one, of them like, overlapping. Literally two sentences. <laughs> literally. No, it's like one sentence. <laughs> yes. At the end of the second Crescent City that completely turns your world upside down. Yeah, like wrecked me from the inside out. 
Anyway. <sighs> wow. Man. Yep. Then this is why we have to do a Patreon episode on it because like there's seriously the potential to just devolve. Like I could talk about there's so many things that you just said that made me want to talk about so many other things, but we'll wait till our Patreon we'll episode. Wait. So the Bone Carver's siblings could not be killed. And I feel like this is going to be crucial for things coming up after Silver Flames or af- after the end of this book. Because we all know what happens to some of the creatures, right? Yeah. Um. So okay. I think I think it's impossible f- to kill them the way that it happened in the war. So I think this is an, also another important, 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 important. <laughs> this is an important factoid. <laughs> an important fact to note that the siblings could not be killed by the Fae. And the bone carver is in the prison to hide from his siblings. This is not a good sign that we have interacted with one of these creatures. And when Farah asks why, he tells her that they are death gods and stronger than him. Meep. 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 The weaver eats life itself to stay young and beautiful forever by weaving the threads of the lives she steals into her tapestries. Like the Asteri? Mm. I think that the Asteri, so like, I think the Asteri conquered the, the bone carver and his their family's world. And they fled to a new one in the chaos. Like they took a portal, kind of like Bryce did. Mm-hmm. They just yeeted themselves out of that world and hoped where they fell was better. Because they, remember, fell into whatever world Prithian is in. Yeah. Or mm-hmm. the Weaver and the Bone Carver are the Asteri. Like the Asteri could just be a race. Like in like the sure. Fae. Like it yeah. could just be the Asteri and the quote unquote Asteri in Crescent City are just a small sect of them that have decided to band together to absorb worlds for their own power. My God. Which means that like the bone carver and the weaver could technically be quote unquote Asteri because yeah. they are death gods and they have to absorb life to live. Just like the Asteri. They're the same right. thing, which means is Nesta... Ooh. A fucking Asteri? Or similar to whatever or, like, they are. absorbed some of the power of an Asteri? I like that. That's that's an unhinged theory. I but... like that unhinged theory. I'm here for it. I stand that theory. I also think like when you were saying that, I just kind of, again, hopping to Marvel because our brains just think in Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like in Multiverse of Madness when... He goes um, and like there's like the council. Yep. Like I'm thinking or even like thinking of like Thanos up in the like he was controlling like so many things and like all of the other like gods and and like mm-hmm. weird things involved in the multiverse. Right. Right. Like is there one big baddie like one ultimate god deity whatever you yeah, want to Like the call governing it. god. And the sorts. Asteri are like the the main henchmen of them Mm -hmm. and they go off in groups and they go off to like conquer worlds. And so the throne of glass version of Asteri are the Valg, right? They're Mm -hmm. sucking life from the people that they 
are inhabiting via different forms. And then same with like Hibern using the cauldron to like essentially, you know, take power. Yeah. Either Hibern or the. Or the weaver. Or the weaver. Life or any of that. And then in Crescent City, obviously we have the actual Asteri, what they call them. So like they may not actually be the Asteri, but that's what our Crescent City pals call them. Yeah. So I think overarching theory is that. There is a theme between the three, like I said before, that there are soul-sucking death gods of sorts in all three of these, and it has to overlap. Yeah, that's not a coincidence. I agree. I also, with again, with my theory of him being Adis, um, that like this, him and his sister and his brother, and then like Bryaxis, could be some of the like princes and princesses of like hell. Because I also read a theory that the bottom of the library could be a portal to hell. Jesus Christ. Uh, there is a very specific quote that supports that. But anyways, um, so that's another thing to think about. Like, could, again, thinking different timelines, like, could... Hell is the in-between for all of them. Oh, my God. They all yeah. have portals to hell, but hell is the same for all of them. It's like their Grand Central Station. It's like how they get... From like one, yes. Yep. You're, this is turning into our Patreon episode. It, but basically, but it's okay. We have so, but there's literally so many other things that we can Jesus talk about Christ. on that. But anyways, so moving on. Thera yeah. makes a mental note to kick Reese's ass, <laughs> rightly so, for sending her into the Weaver's Cottage alone. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, that's like the picture perfect use of the phrase ignorance is bliss yes because she had no idea how horrible and terrifying the weaver was reese knows yeah bullshit that's knows and she's like oh my god oh my god i would i would strangle him talk about unhinged high lords like this just validates our point that he is that unhinged also his mother is unhinged true (laughs) true she, she must have been a very possessive mom. Like, no one's good enough for my baby boy, Reese. So, so crazy. These people are They're wild. Shit. So, Thera asks the bone carver what he is. Realizing that he always asks her about death and what her experience was like. And again, if I'm thinking this is Adis, I'm thinking... He wants to know if hell still exists because he's stuck here and hell is his home. And if the under king is still like ushering souls. Oh my God. <laughs> That's just where my brain went for that. <laughs> Holy smokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I can't. I know. Hang on. More wine. More wine. It's like the band-aid for all to put on all the brain explosions I'm having right now. Oh. Rusty is sleeping like kind of right between us. And he just stretched out and I can smell his like sleepy dog smell. Yep. I love sleepy oh, dog smell. Best smell ever. He's so freaking cute. cute. He's the best podcasting buddy. You can go back to sleep if you want. He's like, I don't know what you guys are freaking out about. It's a pretty chill night. Yeah, he's like, it's comfy. Go sleep. 
<laughs> so Pharaoh's looking at the bone carver and she's realizing that what they're showing her by looking like her son was a way to taunt her of what she couldn't admit to herself before about how she felt about Reese. So, so the first time that she met the bone carver, it was LOL. You like this guy, but you won't admit it. Right. What? If, I mean, honestly, he That's has bestie potential. Yeah. Like very, very Surrey energy there. And now it's just a way to taunt her about the future she has at stake. And we already talked about that. I digress. The bone carver states he is forgotten and he would like to stay that way to continue avoiding his siblings. And Cassian finally <laughs> chimes in here and is like, if Hybern wins a war, he might like destroy the prison and set all of you guys free. And then what are you going to do? And the bone carver just replies chillingly, quote, even Highburn is not that foolish. Oh, no. My stomach just did like a somersault. <laughs> so Farah is frustrated that they're getting nowhere with the bone carver. And Cassian wisely is like, chip chop, we're going to wrap this up. Our little adventure is done. Uh, like, it's time to go. We're going to the human city. And this catches the bone carver's attention. And then Sassy Farah comes out, which we love, we love some Sassy Farah. The bone carver asks about the Hewn City, and Farah's like, It's none of your business, boo. You didn't want to talk to me before? We're not going to talk now. Peace out. And <laughs> the bone carver is like, I know. I know you're going to bargain with Kier. And he coyly wonders aloud, what what is Kier's asking price going to be for helping you guys? Because he hates your guts. And Cassian has had enough. And he's like, just say what you want. Enough of the passive aggressive bullshit. <laughs> and the bone carver tells them that the weaver had a collection of mirrors. And my brain instantly went to Baba Yellow Legs. Absolutely. And her favorite one was the Ouroboros. Quote, a window to the world. All could be seen and told through it. So in my mind, I'm also like when Aelin was in that, like, carriage or whatever. The... When her and Dorian used the mirror. That was like their portal. What? They used a mirror? Oh, when they went to go um, talk to the gods, you mean? Yeah. They used a mirror? Wasn't that a mirror? Am I crazy? No, I think you're right. I think it was a freaking mirror. Oh my God. I can't handle it. Am I losing my mind? Please Google that. Google that. Forgive us for the lack of information we don't remember from Throne of Glass. It's, it's not that we didn't like it. It's just not as good as Akatar and Crescent City. And I don't mean to offend anyone who absolutely loves Throne of Glass, but we liked it. It just wasn't our favorite. I think SJM is definitely a much better writer now than she was when she wrote Throne of Glass. It's a traveling mirror. Dorian nodded. Think about Deanna's words. Flame and iron together bound, merge into silver to learn what must be found. Holy shit. 
Okay, so yes. Yes. So we've got a Throne of Glass connection there somehow. So Witchmere. They use a Witchmere. It's yeah. a Witchmere. Yes. Yeah, because I think Manon... Doesn't Manon yes. like fill them in on it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, because her and Manon travel through it. To talk to Elena. Oh, and it's Manon, not yes, Dorian. Yes, it's Manon. They yes, travel that's through right. It. That's right. Yes, that's okay. It's still that was a good call because I have totally forgot about that. Mm. We're such a good team. <laughs> so he goes on to say that Kier possesses the mirror, and if Farah can bring it to him, to the Bone Carver, he'll fight for them in the war. No big deal. Just go get this creepy ass mirror that you can travel. World hop through. It's fine. I don't. I don't want to stay here. I don't want to go back to my home planet. Oh my god! Like that. That is not that difficult to put together. No, honestly. Like now, even though, even though it was a long read, I'm like, I might need to reread Throne of Glass at uh, some point. Yes, absolutely. Because I, I wish. I almost wish I would have read Crescent City first. Yes, I think so too. It would have made it. There would have been more connections there for sure. Yeah. For um, sure. But also, like, even without knowing anything from the other universes, like, based on what the Bone Carver just told them, he wants to stay here because he wants to hide. He doesn't have anywhere to go because his home planet is Ash. Mm-hmm. The only thing that would interest him is a way to get out of this planet and go somewhere else. Right. Nothing else interests him. Right. So get him a mirror that can do that. Bam. You can release me from the prison. Because I'll help you, and then I'm going to yeet out of here. Yeah, I think he wants, like, security, so he's lying about the fact that he's fine in the cell, but he doesn't want to rely on them to have to use the book. He's just, like, wants to be in control. I think, I think for sure. So, we're done in the prison. We leave. Cassian and Farah sit outside the prison, where Cassian reveals that he guessed that the bone carver was a death god. Duh, he literally carves death into bones. Yeah. Um, my smart buddy Cassian put that together. Um, Cassian admits that he came with Pharaoh because he knows of the likely connection between Nessa and the Bone Carver. So again, if the Bone Carver is of the Asteri race, Nessa could very well be similar or part that or whatever. So you're thinking that way, Amber. So like calls to like. The number of times we hear this in fantasy, though. Yeah. Just immediate Grishaverse vibes. Absolutely. Um, And Cassian, he wants to help with the Nessa situation, right? Like, he just, he's such a good guy. Jeez. And Farah asks if Cass would be frightened of Nessa, even if she was death. And I take the, I take back what I said earlier about the three circles being my favorite part about this chapter. It's this. It's this. And... Cassian's response, quote, I'm a warrior. I've walked beside death my entire life. I would be more afraid for her to have that power, but not afraid of her. Nothing about Nesta could frighten me. And I have full body chills. Further validating the fact that his fear is that she possesses a power that could consume her or that could do the things that say the bone carver and the weaver could do. Right. Mm. Mm. What a 
man sweet sweet boy he like that is like true actual unconditional love because number one nessa's the worst it's not even like nessa's like cool and nice and she has these crazy powers that she doesn't know how to control no she's like a mega bitch and she has these she's crazy powers so mean to everyone <laughs> and exponentially more so to him yeah and it's not even like she gives him like breadcrumbs mm-hmm. to continue following her. Nope. Like it's it's not. I will say, I guess maybe we can count, like appreciate the fact she's not manipulating him. No, she's not doing the. Oh, I like you. Let's let's do this. And then until bye. The, until, until the end of this fucking book. Where she throws well, she herself. makes a promise. And then the next book. <laughs> yeah, she. Yeah, then she freaking sucks. <laughs> Nesta, I love her so much, but this part of her story is just so hard to yeah. get through. Yeah. Um, so Reese appears and Cassian tells him he's not gonna be happy about what the bone carver wants. <laughs> and Reese is just like, if he wants the fancy dinner plates, he can have them. And they're just like looking at him, him and Cassian and Farah are just looking at him like Fuck you, dude. Like, you have no idea what we just went through. You asshole. <laughs> oh, gosh. They're just, like, emotionally at, a, at like, 0%. Their emotional battery is drained. And Reese is just like, hello, I'm coming with the jokes. And you can tell he's joking. Like, he feels so much better because they yes. made it out. And this yeah. is Reese's way of, like, showing his gratitude and excitement is just kind of being... Like a deadpan, sarcastic ass. Right. And that's like, we're like, oh, well, Reese is happy. He's At least he's not being serious again. Right. But at the same time, it's like, dude, come, come on. on. <laughs> anyway, so we end this chapter with them winnowing away into what I imagine to be a sunset. Yeah. yeah. Far, far away from the bone carver. God, get <laughs> out of there. Oh, man. I think that. The bone carver, as far as big ideas for this yeah. episode goes, this the bone carver just opens a door so wide. A portal, if you will. A portal, if you will. Um, to the other SJM universes. And I just think it just it, like it like creates this beautiful opportunity to make connections and talk about possible overlap because every time we talk about these big powerful beings, it just just sparks something that it's like oh what about this oh what about this and it's just endless endless opportunities sjm has created this like multiple worlds of opportunity to create overlap i've never read anything like it like truly and we've read like a lot yes the the moment that that all came together truly like like actually like when people say something was mind bending like my the grooves in my brain got like 10 times deeper for a second like truly <laughs> like like something changed in my brain chemistry because it's truly absolutely genius like i know i have shit on sjm before several times just about her general writing style but like that aside this is the work of an absolute genius and I cannot wait. Like I am counting down the days until January. Like truly, I don't care what the fuck I'm reading when that book comes out. I will be reading that the day it comes out. Oh, absolutely. And I'll probably read it in like two days. Yes. <laughs> oh we should God. intentionally take, like we should take time off. We should. And just sit like and that. read the book together. 
like around does it come out in the beginning of january exactly because we'll i remember initially it was and then it got pushed back a little bit yeah i don't know the date off the top of my head i have it pre-ordered i need to i think i may have it i don't know but yes we definitely need to do that yeah i think that's a great idea just take time off i bet we could get casey and my friend danielle i bet we could get all sorts of people to do this with us we could have a reading party and just be in like separate rooms and like be like we're reading like we'd have to because casey well, reads casey well, Casey listens fast. She's a True. fast reader, too. But Danielle is a fast reader. Yeah. But we're all, honestly, we're all pretty fast readers. Yeah. So I think we'd be pretty similar. I am could... a very fast reader, and Danielle yeah. blows me out of the water every time. Yeah. That woman can read a book. She powers through. So fast. Granted, she doesn't she, like, teach English? Yeah, she's yeah. an English teacher, so I guess. <laughs> I guess that makes sense. <laughs> but I think that we should seriously have, like, a couple days, and then, like, we have, like, we read in separate, like, spaces, but we have, like, an assigned, like, we read through, like, this much this day. Like, we split it up between the days, and then we, like, come together at the end of the day and just, like, talk about it. Oh, my God. And gush about it. That I think it'd be dream. so fun. That would be incredible. I'll just quit my job altogether. Yes. Let's Who needs working? to work? Oh, man. I like anyway. that plan. <laughs> I like it, too. <laughs> anyway, we're going to stop jabbering now. Yeah. <laughs> this was supposed to this be This was a supposed short to be episode. such a short episode. It's like one of our... It's the longest one we've had in a while. Uh, it's okay. We needed we needed a good deep dive, and that it's was so fine. fun. So anyways, that's the end of our episode for this week. Um, remember, when you're listening to this, Amber is now a married lady. Drop her a congrats. <laughs> this book is getting good. So remember, the next little bit, we're going to do just two chapters at a time. Again, like we said, Amber's getting married. We just have a lot of stuff going on. And apparently, so... even when we only talk about two <laughs> chapters, we can still talk for over an hour. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's a I mean, talent. What can we say? It is a talent. Maybe we should like start a podcast. I don't know. Maybe. What do you think? <laughs> this is like, the, yeah, this is reverting back to our old times where we would just sit and talk for hours and oh hours and hours and jokingly say, we should start a podcast. That'd be funny. <laughs> Until that our one time I accents. actually texted you and then I was like, no, but like we actually should. And at that point I was still like, yeah, for sure. And then I was like, oh, she's serious. Oh, yeah. Like, and then the next you- day I was like, I started a Google Doc. Yes. And now our Google Doc is 211 pages long. And the first page is how to start a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, if you like our podcast, make sure that you leave us a review and, you know, drop a drop some love. And and especially on Apple, we can kind of see what you say about us. It's really nice to hear kind words every now and then. Um, And it just helps other people know why they should listen to our podcast. Next week, read chapters 24 through 25 to be prepared for the next episode. Thank you so much for choosing to be a part of our book club. We appreciate your support. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcast. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at House of Wind Pod. Also email us theories or burning questions to houseofwindpodcast at gmail.com. All of this information can also be found in the show notes. We'll talk to you next week. Stay smutty.